Yeah. 
wonderful job. And of course, those going down to Children's Church, you can be heading out that way. If you'd be opening your Bibles, please, to 1 John again this morning. 1 John, the second chapter. 1 John, chapter 2. George Whitfield, the great uh, British evangelist, was speaking one time to a man about his soul. And he asked the man, Sir, what do you believe? I believe what my church believes, the man replied respectfully. And what does your church believe? The same thing I believe. And what do both of you believe, the preacher inquired again. Well, we both believe the same thing was the only thing that George Whitfield could get out of that man. Christian, let me ask you, don't answer out loud, but Christian, let me ask you this. Do you know what you believe? Do you know what you believe? It's important to know what you believe and to know where you stand. We're bombarded on a daily basis with stuff that is not true. It comes at us from every direction you can imagine. TV. Internet, Twitter, Facebook, billboards, tabloids, email, radio, friends, family, cults, religions, books, magazines, and by whatever means that we also communicate with one another. Now listen, while the means of communicating error may be growing in leaps and bounds and changing and and, and just exploding in various ways, the error itself is not new. We see it again and again as we read in our Bibles and see the warnings against false teachers. The first false teacher being Satan, of course, himself, as he questions and then outright denies God's word back in the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis. Now, all of this leads us back again to our little book of First John, chapter 2. And we're going to pick up our study. We've been looking at this book and and traveling through it. And we find our place today at 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Would you follow along and listen as I read 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. The Bible says, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have anointing. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise... That he has promised us eternal life. As I poured over these verses this past week, three main truths were impressed upon me that I'd like to share with you this morning. In these verses, we find a reminder, a warning, and a blessing. 
I want to share those three with you. First of all, we find a reminder. We look there and we find the reminder in verse 18. Before we read it, though, we all need reminders in life, don't we? Our poor brains, they struggle to keep up with everything. I'm a firm proponent of the old saying that says the weakest ink is better than the strongest memory. In fact, I have a hard time even remember the exact wording of that old saying. So I know I need to write it down. We need to be reminded of some things. And so we set reminders in life. We may set a buzzer. We're cooking in the kitchen and we set a timer or a buzzer. We set an alarm when we want to get up in the mornings. Maybe we set an alarm on our cell phone. Maybe we put a pop-up reminder on our computer to-do list. Or we write a list or we paste something somewhere so it reminds us. Maybe we even email ourselves. Do y'all ever do that? I do. You email yourself from one account to another. Remind you, hey, don't forget this. And we need reminded about some things in life. There are things we know we forget them. And there's a reminder here that we dare not miss. And we find it clearly in verse 18. In fact, he mentions it two times so we don't miss it. Look at verse 18 again. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. What is the reminder that we need today? The reminder is this, beloved. We're living in the last hour. We're living in the last days. We're living in the end times. That's the reminder we need today. Perhaps you heard the story about the farmer who went to bed one night and something went wrong with his clock. His clock chimed 14 times. I was thinking about him as she was chiming this morning. 14 times. The old farmer jumps up and says, get up, Nellie. It's later than it ever has been before. (laughs) But you know what? We laugh, but he's right. It's later than it's ever been before. It's later. John says here that they, talking to these folks he's writing, says that they were living in the last hour. Now, that was true then. How much more true, if I could say it that way, how much more true is it now, these many years later? Maybe you're looking at this, you're thinking, wait a minute. I guess John maybe wasn't right. How could they be living in the last hour? I mean, it's a mighty long hour, wasn't it? And now you're saying, preacher, that we're living in the last hour? How can that be? Well, very plainly, beloved, we have to remember something else very important. And that is this. God is not bound by our time. God is above time. He is not bound to our calendar. He is not bound to our clock. And what may, be, may seem like a very long time to us. I want you to hear what the Bible says about God. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says, But beloved, do not forget... We need reminders, don't we? Do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, one day is as a, do you remember? Thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. And so we look at that and say, wow, look how long it's been. I mean, John writing this, we're living in the last hour. He must have been wrong. No, he wasn't wrong. You see, God in His great love and mercy is waiting and is patient. And is wanting sinners to repent. Because right after that verse, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, that says that one day is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. Listen to what verse 9 says. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is, God in His love and His mercy and His grace, He's allowing time for sinners to repent. He's allowing time for people to get right with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so we're living in the last hour. We're living in the last days. The Lord Jesus Christ could return today. Nothing else has to happen. I mean, the next event on God's prophetic uh, to-do list, if you will, is the rapture of the church. He could return today. Or it could be a thousand years from now. But whatever it is, we're living in the last days. You say, well, what are the last days? Well, they're the last days or those days between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. That's the last hour. That's the last days. That's the end times. Between his first coming and his second coming. That's where we live. Now, no man knows when he's coming. If somebody gives you a date and just say, listen, that's a false prophet. Jesus himself said, no man knows the hour. I love what David Allen said about it. He said, we're not on the planning committee for the return of Christ. We're on the reception committee. That's true. We are. And we're looking for his coming. But it's important that we be reminded that we're living in the last days. We're living right now in the last hour. And that idea, that reminder, that truth should cause us to live with an awareness, a sense of urgency, a sense of expectancy. Think about the difference in your life when you're expecting guests to come to your home. When you're not expecting guests, you can become very sloppy in your living. Things out of place, things put all over the place, just sort of let go. But when you know that guests are coming, if you're like a lot of folks, what happens? You get into active mode. And all of a sudden, there's not sloppiness, there's not that kind of thing going on. There's an urgency to make sure that things are right. Attention is given to cleaning and preparing and organizing and making sure that everything is ready for your guests. Why? Because you're looking for them to come. You're expecting them. There's an urgency about it then. Well, beloved, may I remind you today that Jesus Christ is coming again. And we know not the hour, we know not the day, but he could come at any moment. And I say to you today, are you ready? Are you ready? Does your life reflect the realization that you're living in the last hour, that you're living in the last days? You see, beloved, if we're going to win people to Christ, now is the time. If we're going to get into the word of God, now is the time. If we're going to give ourselves to prayer, now is the time. Why? Because we're living in the last hour. We're living in the last days. We're living in the end time. Jesus is coming again. That's a reminder that I need. I trust it's a reminder that you need. Well, we have here a reminder, but secondly, we have here a warning. A warning. We find that warning beginning there in verses 18 and 19. And in verses 18 and 19 there... It says, little children, it is the last hour, and as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Now, when you hear the term, when you hear the word Antichrist, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, if you've been a Bible student, You've been in church any amount of time. You think about that person who's going to rise up near the end of the end in opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? You would be correct. But that is not a complete picture of the Antichrist. In fact, we see two different pictures in verse number 18. Would you notice with me in verse 18? 
Little children, verse 18, it is the last hour. And as you've heard that the Antichrist, you notice it's capitalized and it's singular there. One person, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists. Notice the difference. If your version has it the way mine does, it's a small letter and it's plural have come by which we know that it is the last hour. So we have the Antichrist who's coming at the end time. But he says also that there are many Antichrists. In fact, Wiersbe says there are three different thoughts when it comes to the Antichrist. First of all, there's the spirit in the world that opposes and denies the Lord Jesus Christ. There's that spirit of the Antichrist. Secondly, there are false teachers who embody the Antichrist. They're mentioned in the second part of verse 18. Then there's that person who will head up the final world rebellion against the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's mentioned in the first part of verse 18. So we see two of the three, really, really all three there in verse 18. Uh, they knew about the Antichrist, that end time person that's coming. But what's interesting here is John just kind of mentions him and then moves on and puts the emphasis on different Antichrists. In fact, many of them. And there's a warning in in, in here for us, and that's this. We're surrounded by many antichrists. We're surrounded by many antichrists. Now, who were these antichrists? Well, Well, look at that verse, and it says what about them? It says they were once with them, but they were not of them. What in the world is he talking about? Well, in other words, at one point in their lives, these people, these antichrists, these false teachers, they were a part of that church. That is, they identify with that church and and maybe even identify with the apostles themselves. But now they've left. They've gone out. In other words, it says because they were not of us, it means they were not saved. They were not of us. They were not truly a part of the body of Christ. They had kind of wandered in and kind of identified, but they really were not part of the body. Because he says what? If they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But because they were not of us, they went out that they might be shown that they were not truly born again. I was reminded in my study this past week about how many cults have been started by people who were once in evangelical churches. And yet there came a point in those people's lives where they went out and they left the church, the true church, and started their own church. I think I read at least a couple of times about Jim Jones and that horrible tragedy. If you remember back in the news years ago, as he goes out and leads those people astray and convinces them to drink poison and die and all. He was once a part of an evangelical church. But see, when people do that, it shows that they are professors of Jesus. That is, they profess to know the Lord Jesus, but they're not a true possessor. That is, they do not really have him. They do not know him. They leave the church. They leave the body of Christ. And by the way, can I say to you today? Those who leave the church, yes, it may be true that they are backsliding. But not everybody that leaves the church is a backslider. It could be that those who leave the church were never saved to begin with. Why? Because backsliders don't backslide forever. The Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He disciplines. He works with them to bring them back. And and a backsliding Christian is a miserable person. But if someone leaves and and goes away and never comes back and never shows any conviction and never any of that, then it could be the fact that they were never born again to to start with. So these antichrists are those who are false teachers. They were part of the body. They left the body, left the fellowship. But notice what else they did in verses 22 and 23. It says, who is a liar... Who is a liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, 
He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Do you see what he's saying here? These people not only were once a part of the fellowship, they leave the fellowship and then they outright deny the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, they deny that Jesus is the Christ. And he says if they don't have Jesus, the Son, they don't have the Father. Now, what does it mean that they denied Jesus as the Christ? It means they denied his deity. They denied that he is God. They denied that. Our world is filled with antichrists today. Those who deny that Jesus is God. If you want to know where someone truly is, no matter what their label is, there's all kinds of labels, right? If you really want to know what they believe and where they stand, all you have to do is ask this question. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? And if you get that nailed down with them, you know exactly where they stand. They say, well, Jesus is a great teacher. Jesus is a great prophet. You know there's some trouble there. Because you and I know the Bible teaches what? That Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the Son of God, incarnate, perfect God, perfect man, joined in the flesh, lived a sinless, perfect life, was crucified, buried, rose again victorious, lives forever in victories, coming again. He is God because if he's anything less then he cannot be our Savior. These people denied that Jesus is the Christ. Do you see now why John said that there are many, there are many antichrists? We're surrounded by Antichrist. We're surrounded by those who deny that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the Christ. So we need to be reminded that we're living, first of all, in the last days. We need to be warned that we're surrounded by many Antichrists. So here's the question, Christian. What do we do? I mean, that's some serious stuff, isn't it? I mean, we realize, okay, we're in the last hour, we're living the last days. We're surrounded by Antichrist. We know that the Antichrist is coming. What do we do? Well, the third thing here is there's a blessing. There's a blessing. And the blessing is this, beloved. We're supplied with what we need to make it. We're supplied what we need to make it. Look at verse 20. But you. Do you see the difference there? But you. He's just talking about those antichrists that went out. But he says in verse 20, But you have an anointing from the Holy One And you know all things. There's at least a threefold blessing here. Number one, we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us as believers. We have the Holy Spirit of God living within us as believers. You have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Now, what's the anointing he's talking about here? Well, we believe the anointing he's talking about is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God, God, the Holy Spirit. You see, the Bible says that when a person trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence. He indwells that person. And so if you're here today and you're a born again child of God, you have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're a temple of God. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit in John's gospel. Listen to these verses, John 14, 16 and 17. And I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. He says in John fifteen twenty six. But when the helper comes whom I shall send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the father, he will testify of me. 
John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Listen, he'll guide you into all truth for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. And so he says, listen, as a child of God, as a Christian, you're blessed with a holy anointing. That is the spirit of God dwells within you. And then it says in verse 20, and I want you to listen carefully, it says, and you know all things. Now let's stop there for a moment. I don't want any of the boys and girls going to school tomorrow saying, listen, teacher, the Bible says I'm a child of God. I know all things. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Keep it in context. This does not mean you know every mathematical equation. It doesn't mean you don't have to study. The idea here, beloved, is this. It doesn't mean perfect knowledge in every subject. What he most likely means is this. You have the capacity to know truth from error. You have the capacity to know what you need to know. All things concerning truth in Jesus Christ. Why? Because the spirit of truth dwells within you. That holy anointing. In other words, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling you to guide you into truth and teach you truth. You see, the false teachers of their day, probably, and the false teachers of our day, what do they do? They come out and they promote some kind of special knowledge. I found something special for you. And maybe something uh, nobody ever heard of this before. Listen, beloved, you better put the antenna up. Somebody comes and says they've got something special from God that you've never heard, never, no one's ever heard before. I was reading a story, Jerry Vine said it this way, God puts an alarm system in you if you're saved. He said a missionary to the Indians in America took a converted Indian chief to Los Angeles. They were walking down the street in Los Angeles and a false teacher was standing on a street corner with a Bible putting out false doctrine. Can I remind you, everybody that holds the Bible doesn't mean that they're a true preacher or teacher of the Word of God. There are many false teachers. And they were out there that day in Los Angeles. There's a false teacher standing on the street corner proclaiming false doctrine. And the missionary was afraid that that convert, that Indian convert, would see the Bible and think that what that man was saying was true. And so they stood there for a moment. They listened to this false teacher. And after that, they went on by. And the missionary turned to his his convert and said this. What do you think about that man who spoke? And the Indian replied, and I quote, he says, I don't know what it is. But all the time he was talking, something inside me was saying, liar, 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 end quote. Jerry Vine says that something was someone. The Holy Spirit detecting error in what was being taught. The child of God, you've got an alarm system in you, if you will. The Holy Spirit of God will lead you into all truth. You know all things that you need to know concerning this. That's the first part of the threefold blessing. The second part is this. We have the word of God. Look at verse 24. Therefore, let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. Something they've heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Now, what is it that they, it's something they had heard. What have they heard from the beginning? Well, they heard the gospel. They heard the word of God. They heard the teaching of scripture. They didn't have the complete Bible like we have it because it's still being written at this point. But they had the truth of the word of God and they heard it. He says, listen, I want you to be 
what? To be keeping and abiding in that that you've heard. It's vital, beloved, in the day in which we live. In a day where false teachers abound. And they don't have to travel from city to city. Well, many of them do. But in a day of technology, they can beam their false teachings around the world in lightning speed. It's vital that we as Christians have an understanding of the word of God to know what we believe, to know what the Bible says, to not be like that man in the opening story who says, what do you believe? I believe what my church believes. What do your church believe? What do they believe is what I believe. You don't know what you believe. Sad to say, a lot of Christians don't know what they believe. We've got to get into the word of God. You see, the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us, the holy anointing, takes the word of God and teaches it to us. We need to be grounded in Scripture. There's a third blessing. So we have a threefold blessing. Number one, we have the Spirit of God. Secondly, we have the Word of God. And thirdly, we have the assurance of eternal life. I love verse 25. And this is the promise that He has promised us. Eternal life. Beloved, eternal life is a promise from the Father, from the Lord. And God always keeps His promise. Now, beloved, even though we're living in the last days, the last hour, this is not it for us as far as down here is concerned. We have eternal life. We have it if we've received the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And I wonder today, have you received Him? Do you know for certain that you've turned from your sin and placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? You can know that today. You see, beloved, because when you know the Lord, it says you have eternal life and we have it now. Did you realize that we have it now? We have eternal life. Now, we will not fully experience it until then, but we possess it now. We have eternal life. We're living in the last days. We're surrounded by many antichrists. But beloved, we have the Spirit of God as Christians indwelling us. We have the Word of God in our hands. We have the promise and the hope of eternal life in our hearts. But I know that maybe some this morning are thinking, I don't know, preacher. I think you've missed it. I mean, surely this is not the last hour. Surely these are not the last days. I mean, look around. I mean, it didn't seem that bad. I think you're kind of off base today. Well, beloved, can I share with you how God's word describes the last days? As I read it to you, would you listen and you just kind of decide for yourself? I'll just share one passage. Second Timothy, chapter three, verses one through five. But know this in the last days. So we know we're talking about the last days, the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Unloving. Unforgiving. Slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power 
and from such people turn away. When you think about that list, it sounds like the Charlotte Observer, doesn't it? It sounds like the Evening News, doesn't it? Why? Because we're living in the last days. We're living in the last hour. But I remind you of this. Though we're living in the last days, though we're surrounded by many antichrists, many false teachers, many that deny and oppose the Lord Jesus, may I bless you today, Christian, by reminding you that you have everything you need to make it. You have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling you. You have the Word of God in your hand. And you have the hope and promise of eternal life in your heart. Labor on for the Lord in His victory in these last days. Father, it is with a grateful heart that we bow in Your holy presence. Lord, I thank you for the truth that you put before us today here in your word. May we truly be reminded of the hour in which we live. This is not a time just to waste and squander our lives. We're living in the last days. We're looking for the soon coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Even so come, Lord Jesus. We know, Lord, that if we're going to do anything for you, now's the time. We're going to allow you to use us. Now is the time. Lord, not only are we living in the last hour, in the last days, but we personally are not even promised tomorrow. You said our lives are but a vapor that appear for a little time and then vanish away. Lord, help us to be serious about living this life for the Lord Jesus. And Lord, as you've told us today, we are surrounded by many antichrists. May we be grounded in the word to where we can withstand Paul's teaching. I pray your Holy Spirit to be our teacher. And Lord, to guide us in all truth, as your word says. Help us, Lord, to live with that hope and expectancy, realizing that we have eternal life. But Father, I know as we close out this service that there are some in this building who do not have eternal life. At this moment, they have eternal judgment and damnation and condemnation. Because they're without Christ and without hope in this present world. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work in their hearts and do that work which only you can do. Father, I'm just the messenger today. Your Holy Spirit must do the work. And I pray in these closing moments together that if anyone here does not have eternal life, that you would convict them. That you would show them their need of Christ. That you would bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ before it's too late. Give them courage to allow somebody to help them and lead them to the cross. We pray this in that name above every name. The name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen. The closing hymn this morning is 473. More love to thee, O Christ. More love to thee. And if you're here today and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, here's what I'd ask you to do very quickly, very simply. When we start singing, I'll be down at the front here. If you'll just step out from where you are and walk down. Just simply say, preacher, I'd like to meet Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm just going to simply take you and welcome you and hand you off to someone else who loves Jesus and loves you. And they'll take a Bible and they'll sit down and they'll share Christ with you. Very simple. And they'll help you today. And then the majority of our message today was for Christians. And maybe God spoke to your heart today. 
Maybe you needed this reminder. Maybe you needed this warning. Maybe you needed this blessing today. Maybe God's dealing with your heart. Well, the altar is open today. I would invite you to come and pray and give whatever that need might be to the Lord Jesus. So I hope this is clear today. If you need to be saved, you come. We'll help you. If you want to come as a Christian and pray, if we need help as well, we'd be glad to help you as we sing. 473. Let's stand up, sing out. More love to thee, O Christ. More love to thee.